we are ready to go whether people are here or not. So uh, good to see everybody. If you're joining us online, we're glad you're with us. And uh, is uh, Richard here or are you here? Uh, Richard or Deborah one are online with you. So uh, say hi and you'll figure out which one it is. But uh, either one of them can be a blessing to you. So uh, big thing we just want to always let you know at the bottom right hand corner is a prayer tab you'll see on the screen and uh, we definitely want to be praying for you in any way we can so click on that let us know how we can be a blessing it's always private secure it only goes to one source it's not shared or broadcast so uh, be uh, rest assured of that so um, we had uh, we had John's uh, homegoing memorial service uh, uh, what day was that Monday? Monday. And uh, it was a blessing for Renee. She wanted to make sure uh, we'll share it again Sunday, but how thankful she was for her church family. Of course, they were willing and wanting to drive all the way in from New Mexico because this was their church home. And so they were uh, taken back by those that stepped up, served, and were a blessing to their family. And so uh, it was a great service. And we rejoice for John, as we say always, but uh, just continue to pray for her. Renee for these uh, coming days. I think I'm in a, Mark, I'm kind of like in a barrel or something. Try to put me in a box. So, anyway. All right, tonight we will uh, we'll be, uh, we'll kind of pick up not far after where Brother Brad left off. And uh, a great truth last week. But we'll pick up here in Hebrews chapter 4 and uh, go a little bit farther here. And uh, something that I've never seen nothing. It's a deep truth. It, it was just it came by way of me just sitting there and and asking a question. So let's pray and uh, I'll kind of tell you how it unfolded to me and let's see what we can find tonight in God's word. Father, thank you for the opportunity to gather tonight that we can just continue to grow in your grace through your word. So guide us, direct us, ask that you anoint every word that's spoken. We ask this in Christ's name. Amen. So we, we often have, we all have all kinds of questions when it comes to the Word of God. Uh, probably the most prevalent question is just the word, why? Why this, why that? Uh, and of course, we know there's so much that we'll never find out until we get to heaven. It'll never be revealed. Now, luckily, and it's something to look forward to, it does tell us once we do get to heaven, all will be made known. So then all your whys will become, oh, yeah, that makes sense. And, uh, but uh, we were talking through our collective group on Tuesday night that, you know, somebody was talking about that. Yeah, I really struggle with why. I just want God to do this or I wish God would just reveal this. And, and uh, for a lot of times, the reason we don't get the why, the why would eliminate faith. And if God told you everything you want to know, then where does faith apply? God's like, let me worry about the details. You just worry, worry about being faithful. And so uh, that was, you know, a good truth in and of itself. But the question still arises, especially concerning spiritual truths, why? And it's those questions we don't get the clarity we ask God for. And, uh, and so it's kind of what I was doing when I was reading through Hebrews uh, this morning. I read this passage, and I just kind of had a why, and I just started thinking about all the other whys I have, and one why leads to another why. But... I thought for the first time, and I never thought this before, and maybe you have. You're probably a lot smarter than I am. Uh, it's not saying much if you are, but <laughs> I thought for the first time, huh, 
Why did God wait so long to send Jesus? I never thought that before. Maybe you've thought that. Maybe you've thought it. I already found the answer or got an answer from the Holy Spirit. But then why did the Father wait so long to send Jesus when you think of creation? And, and it really made me sit there and just really start thinking. My first thought was, well, does it really matter? Because God promised salvation all the way back in Genesis 3.15. And then you go, you know, the whole, the whole Bible's about Jesus. And all of the Old Testament reveals the gospel. So I thought, well, it's really not relevant. or It's relevant, but is it really important then? Because the gospel was already there. Yet still, it didn't answer my question. I really was sitting there thinking, but there's got to be something. Why did he wait from creation almost 4,000 years for Christ ever stepped out of eternity and into time? We know God's a God of order, is he not? We know how purposeful God is in everything he does. So it wasn't just a random time slot. It wasn't God sitting there trying to figure out, man, when, how can I get involved in time and history here? Does not God control it all? Yeah. So if he controls it all, why was it 4,000 years before Christ ever came about? That's the way my mind works all the time. It drives me crazy. So, one, I think we came to my mind, it's a mistake when we think that history runs by its own power. As I said, God controls it all. Okay, God hasn't been waiting for centuries trying to figure out how he can intervene in time. Like he's at the, you know, he's at the, uh, you know, second place to time. God controls time. Okay, but it just didn't happen by happenstance. It was almost 1,800 years. A little bit over, was it? I think a little bit over 1,700 years from Abraham when God called Abraham till Christ came. Now, it's not the beginning of time. We know that. But if you just take Abraham and all that took place there. So from Abraham, it was just short of 2,000 years before Christ got involved. And I thought of this, two reasons that really, as I sat there and just thought about and prayed about it. One, the Old Testament clearly shows the Father controls history. Makes it abundantly clear. He's not frustrated by it. He controls it. It tells us in Daniel chapter 2, 20. In 21, Daniel answered and said, Blessed be the name of God forever and ever, for the wisdom and might are his. And he changes the what? Ah, the times and the what? The seasons. He removes what? Kings. He sets up kings. He giveth wisdom unto the wise and knowledge to them that know understanding. So, does not God control time? Yeah, does he not control kings and kingdoms? It's all by his control. It's all by his purpose. No king became a king. No kingdom or world power rose to that status. America didn't become America. Presidents didn't become presidents. Time doesn't transpire in our life that God is not in complete control of it. So one... It's also clear that God controls history. He's not frustrated by it. He rises kings and kingdoms. He controls them all. 
Remember uh, Nebuchadnezzar, uh, should, in Daniel 4, 34, Nebuchadnezzar came to realize this himself after he'd just gone through his insanity and eating grass before he come to realize that God's in control. He said, at the end of the days, I, Nebuchadnezzar, lifted up my eyes unto heaven, and my understanding returned unto me. And I blessed the Most High, and I praised and honored him that liveth forever whose dominion is an everlasting dominion, and his kingdom is from generation to generation. So even Nebuchadnezzar came to realize, wait a second, God, God's in control of all this. No, power, no matter how powerful I think I am, no matter what I think I can control or manipulate, no, God's in control. So again, if God's in control, which he is, he controls time, he controls kings and kingdoms, why did he wait 2,000 years? Even though he promised salvation in Genesis chapter 3, we know 4,000 years for Christ intervened. Number two came to my mind. Since he controls time, as he does, God had planned Jesus to come and die to give us grace for forgiveness even before history was ever governed. Look what it says in 2 Timothy 1, 9. Who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given to us in Christ Jesus. When? Before the world began. So it's not only does he control time, he controls eternity. And so before there was ever a creation, even before there were planets, before there was everything, just the Godhead had everything planned out. But yet he still waited 4,000 years after his creation before the fulfillment of Christ. So he controls time. He controls kings and kingdoms. In a sense, you can say he pre-created grace and salvation. Thus, the Godhead planned even Jesus' own death. The Godhead knew how Jesus would die, knew when he would die, knew it all. In the minute detail, God knew and controlled before all existed. And yet he still waited as he did. So why these 2,000 plus years or 4,000 years before it came about? You know, why didn't Jesus send Christ during the times of Noah? We know how wicked the times were during Noah. Why didn't he send Noah then, or Jesus then? Don't know. Why didn't he, you know, send them during the Tower of Babel? Why didn't he send Jesus when they were in bondage in Egypt for the three or four hundred years? You can think of times of history, you think, man, why didn't Jesus come then? I'll tell you why. I think this is a strong argument because we needed context. We needed context to this. Why it was promised through words, why it was promised through generation through generation, from testimony to testimony, we needed context. Because can you truly grasp and understand something without context? It's hard. You may, you may acknowledge it, 
but you're going to have trouble comprehending it and truly accepting it and relying upon it without a depth of context. That's why it's dangerous when a, a, a teacher, a Bible teacher, a pastor, anybody is giving the Word of God without full context or without supporting context. Unfortunately, we know there are pastors that have huge followings that will start their program and read one verse and walk away from their Bible and talk for 40, 45 minutes and never refer back to the Word of God and base everything they're saying off one verse. It's dangerous. God wrote the Word. His Word, the Word of God is contextually driven. We learn by comparing Scripture to Scripture. Truth supporting truth. So God wrote His entire Word based on context. So I think it makes a strong argument for us. Why did God wait 4,000 years from creation, 2,000 years from Abraham, why did Jesus come at a particular place in time in history that God controlled every aspect of it? I think it's to give us a clear understanding of who God is. Look what it says in Matthew 7, 13. Enter ye at the straight gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction, and how many there go by which, or be which that uh, go thereby we know there'll be more people that end up in hell than in heaven now with that in mind let's go back let's read here in hebrews chapter 4 we're going to pick up at verse 14 and we're going to read here it should be on the screen for us. seeing then that we have a great high what priest do we have priests today in this context that is passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our profession. For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. For every high priest taken from among men is ordained for man in things pertaining to God, that he may offer both gifts and sacrifices for sins. Who can have compassion on the ignorant and on them that are out of the way, for that he himself also is compassed with infirmity? And by reason hereof he ought, as for the people, so also for himself to offer for sins. So in this passage, we get this direction through hebrews as brother brad laid out that's what the book of hebrews is all about it's the depth the doctrinal depth of who and what christ is and the gospel that was fulfilled and it it, it labels him i say labels him it identifies him it, it, it entitles him as this high priest this high calling that has suffered every infirmity that we've been suffered or have been tempted with and he overcame it without sin that's why we can come boldly before his throne. That's why we can seek the depth of the context of the scriptures that are laid out. Because Christ fulfilled every word. Was he not the living word? And so, bless you. So when Christ came, he came to fulfill everything that had been written and fulfilled everything prophetically that was to come. And he came in his perfect timing. 
So Matthew 17 tells us back to broad is the path that leads to destruction and narrow to life. Then more people will follow the path of destruction. We being creation in our epic pilgrimage, as you would say, through history have proven over and over again that even with context, the word of God, even with context, we fail greater than we succeed. Thousands of years that God has shown forth history, has revealed history through prophets, has elevated Christ through history, and how Christ has overcome everything, and yet there will still be more that end up in destruction than those that end up in heaven. So my point is, even with context, look how much we fail. We come short of everything God offers us through Christ. So if you take that away and you take the concept that what if Christ came during the days of Noah? Look how much we'd miss out on. We still have God's word per se, but in a whole different context. It'd be like trying to go to a, a obscure village, a tribe, so to speak, somewhere. If they never heard of God, if they never heard of God, then sin, while it may have a degree of definition to them, it has no application for its consequences. I mean, the context of who Christ is and what we are, is that not paramount for our lives? And we have to grasp that. I mean, over the years, the scriptures tell us God, God's people, especially Hebrew children in the Old Testament, how many times they cried out to God in bondage. Or God would send prophets after prophets to them. And they ignored them. Then God's wrath would come on. They start complaining to God. So I sent you prophets and you killed them. I sent you the context. I sent you all the information you needed to do the right thing. And you still didn't do the right thing. So I think we can make a strong argument that while God's timing, we know it's perfect. It's perfect in the sense that God's saying, look, I'm going to show you. I'm going to show you a path. I'm going to allow you to, in a sense, take your own path and through the annals, the, 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 the annals of history, I'm going to reveal that you were going to bad decision after bad decision after bad decision. And yet I'm going to interject through that, through my words, through my prophets, through my, my, my children, those that know truth, I'm going to let them intervene this truth throughout time. That's why when we stand before the judgment seat of Christ, there's not going to be any room for excuses. Oh, I didn't know. No, you'll know. We'll all know. We will all have enough context by that time has been revealed to our lives that God's a just God and nobody's going to go to hell because they didn't know. We'll know. We'll know the truth. We will have had the, the written truth. We know 2,000 years ago we had the living truth, and we had contextual historical truth. 
So when we stand before, when we give accountability of our lives and to say, oh, I, I, I never got around that. Nobody ever told me. I didn't know this. I didn't know. That won't fly. God says, it has all been revealed in the sense of everything you needed to know. If we avoid context in our life, the, 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 the meanings, the truth of God's Word, using Scripture to support Scripture, expounding upon truth upon truth, if we avoid that in our lives, we're avoiding everything there is concerning Christ. And we minimize, we, we, we put then Christ in this microcosm or this little box, I guess it would be easier to say. And then because we don't know the context of what we need to know, then we replace that by our own self-defining context of what we want Christ to be and not who Christ is, our great high priest. Look what it says in Acts seven fifty one. You stiff neck and uncircumcised in your heart and ears. You do always resist the Holy Ghost as your what? Fathers did. So do ye. Have you ever looked through scriptures and just as you read them and do what, how many times God refers back to as your forefathers? Especially when you get into the kings. You get in first and second kings. You see the end of their lives where it jumps over to Chronicles and talks about, you know, they did evil as their father did or they did good as their father did but so many times in scriptures it, it refers back look what jeremiah says in eleven ten: they are turned back to the iniquities of their forefathers which refused to hear my words and they went after other gods to serve them the house of israel judah god's own children and so when we miss the context of who and what Christ is, we miss the most valuable thing we need to know. I'll say it again. Imagine going to a village and never heard God or that God created the world or that the world fell into sin and God gave a law for us to obey and there was no priest and sacrifices or prophets and kings and kingdoms or people that rise and, and fail by God's control, how would they ever make sense of who and what Christ is and why He ever came? If we don't grasp who and what we are, then we'll never grasp who Christ is and why He came. Now, in God's perfect timing, especially in our case, after four, you know, we're over 4,000 years, look at the context that's been unfolded to us. The depths of God's Word. We get to read from the promise to the fulfillment and even the prophetic future we're in today. We have the complete context at our disposal. Do we take advantage of it? Or do we turn around then and question God or doubt God or we live by fear or we live in hopelessness? Because the way we're going to overcome fear the way we overcome hopelessness, the way we find the victory we have promised in Christ. For us to understand the love God has for us, those are kind of going to come about as we grasp more context of God's Word that defines it and 
the doctrinal truths are unfolded in our lives. Otherwise, we have this surface knowledge of Christ, and then we have no way to really define Christ in our lives, so then we end up self-defining Christ for our lives. And we come up short. If you try to skip the Old Testament without a doubt and interpret Jesus with your own context, first without biblical historical context and the categories which are laid out, then you simply end up making Christ just like a life coach or a spiritual therapist. This is what happens when we skip the truth of God's Word, the depths of God's Word. We avoid Scripture in our lives. We create our own narrative and our own context to who we want Jesus to be in our life rather than who Jesus is in our life. He is who He is supposed to be. He is who He needs to be. Hebrews 4.14 tells us He is our high priest. He's everything He came to be, everything He needs to be for our lives. Do we define that through God's Word? Do we look through the Old Testament that promised of the coming high priest? Do we, are we able to use the New Testament to look back to see how he fulfilled the roles of high priest? Do we use all this contextual knowledge and truth and compass it all about to define the depths of Christ in our life? The more we do that, the more we get that, that intimacy, that understanding, and the power that comes by way of it. When we don't, we're left with self-defining truth. It is as is human nature, then we always define truth to our pleasure, do we not? How we want Christ to be, how we want the Scriptures to read. And then before we know it, we've all been there, maybe ourselves, we've leaned into it, or we see other people pick a verse, and you realize sometimes the verse they're standing on and how they use and apply that verse to their life is out of context, even how that verse is used but yet it supports their feelings. It supports what they want. God planned centuries of history with Israel. He recorded in the Old Testament so that he would have a contextual understanding for us to understand and grasp. That means the Father thinks and knows that this is important. Every word in here, if it wasn't of value and importance and a power, would God have revealed it? Then it's just information. Every jot and tittle that is recorded, it is of great meaning and of great purpose that God provided for our lives. Why do you think at the end of Revelation it tells us not to change one jot or one tittle? Don't redefine this. Don't twist it. Don't take it out of context. Don't use only what you like. No, you got to take it all. Because the more we grasp, the more we understand Christ and what Christ came to do and what Christ did do for us. But when we don't, how often does this us creation impoverish ourselves by saying instead, well, that's just old-fashioned. Has anybody ever heard anybody talk about the 
scriptures being out of date. That's not relevant today. It's different times. Things are different. They're not like they used to be. Don't even worry about the Old Testament. No, it doesn't even apply to us. Every single word applies to us, and every single word is relevant for us. Look what it says in Hosea 4, 6. My people are destroyed for a lack of what? Knowledge. We avoid context. We avoid, avoid the whole picture of God's Word. We're diminishing our knowledge and who and what Christ is. This is what's so powerful about Hebrews. Yes, it can be a little deep. We even got into the deepest part. You know, when you start in chapter 6, you get into these, these doctrinal pillars of faith that we have to have. The, these doctrines are so important. These doctrines of, of uh, what are they, you know, of, uh, of Christ and sanctification and baptism and, and uh, uh, power. Talking about, you know, through laying of hands, the resurrection. I'm probably missing one. There's five or six pillars of faith that we got to grasp. Well, you know, I, I just want to get saved. Well, you still have to understand the doctrine of salvation to do that. But how many salvations are shallow in understanding? They never grow in, their, in the grace of God. They never grow in their salvation. So, so as you go through Hebrews here and you start getting to the depths of it, it can, you start wading into some deep theological knowledge and understanding and context that we need to grasp. If not, then the whys become even more prevalent. Why this? Why that? That doesn't mean just because you understand more depths of God's Word that every single why will be answered, but you'll find a peace that while you may not know the why, you know that there's great purpose for it through your life. And then situations don't become hopeless. They can remain powerful. They can remain seasons of growth for your life and not seasons that cause you to fall back or even, in some cases, sadly, to fall out of your race. Look what Jesus said in John chapter 5. I give that to you, Mark? 539? Thank you. Jesus is talking here, obviously. He says, Search the Scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life, and they that which testify of me these religious leaders knew what the Bible said, but they have failed to apply the words to their lives. Don't think those Pharisees didn't know. They knew what Christ was saying. They were hearing the testimonies. They were hearing the revealing truth. They just refused to apply it. They knew the teachings of the Scriptures, but failed to see the Messiah to whom the Scriptures pointed to. Now, yes, they didn't have all the New Testament like we have. Did they not have the Old Testament? Did they not have the Torah memorized? Yeah. They may not have had the Old Testament that we or the New Testament we have today, but they had everything they needed in the Old Testament that pointed to Christ coming and could have easily identified Christ through the Old Testament truths. They refused not to. They knew the rules, but missed the Savior. 
They were entrenched in their own contextual system. Thus, they refused to let the Son of God to change their lives. Thing is, we cannot become so involved in religious systems that we miss the contextual truth that God has for us. The Pharisees were more entrapped in what they wanted to believe and what they thought they believed than the truth that they were offered. And they never allowed the Word of God that they proclaimed. They never let it transform them because they held on to their own self-defining context. And so you say, well, this all sounds like your conjecture, Todd, your opinion. Yeah, probably to a degree. But we know Christ came for a reason at the exact time that the Godhead wanted him to come. He stepped in time at his exact time and his perfect time. And it fulfilled everything prior to him. It brought to fruition and it promised, allowed us and showed forth the promise that we could hang our hats on it spiritually for everything to come. So I think if Christ would have came at the very beginning, we struggle now with all the context we need and we still struggle with it, do we not? So I think it's a fair argument to say, Wow, Christ came when Christ came. He came and fulfilled as our great high priest, defined everything that we need for and in through our lives. And he did it at a time that he said, look, I've given you 4,000 years to try it your way. You've seen forefather after forefather after forefather. You've seen prophets testify to my word for generations. In a sense, enough is enough. Boom, here I am. I'm fulfilling the whole thing. Everything that was promised in the Old Testament has been made flesh. And it adds then, thus, the power and the truth of everything that, that we have in the New Testament. We can't take it and don't want to take it out of context. We don't want to avoid it. Don't have time to do devotions. Don't have time to get into those doctrines. It's over my head. I don't understand them. I get confused. And so we avoid it, and we, we avoid it. We got this spiritual chasm of truth in our lives. And God says, Hosea, they perish because of the lack of knowledge. And, and so we, we replace it with our self-defined context of how we want Christ to be in our life instead of understanding who and what Christ is for our life. When we understand the latter, who and what Christ is, then the greater love we have, understanding of, the greater hope we can build, the greater peace we find, the greater joy we can walk in. When we self-define Christ how we want him to be and make him our spiritual life coach or our spiritual therapist or our genie in a bottle, I know who Christ is. That's who I go to when I need something. No, he's our high priest. He's the one that stands where we can't stand. He's the one that embodied the sins that would send us to hell. He's not a genie in the bottle. He's not our go-to God in times of emergency. He's our living God. He's our hope. 
He's our strength. He's our promise. Questions, comments? Any thoughts about that? Why it took God, not didn't take him, why he chose to place Christ right where he placed him in history. Yes, sir.